0: Log Talk Radio.
1: And family and friends around the world. We hope you have enjoyed your Labor Day weekend. The radio voice of Eastern Airlines is on the air. We're talking about our favorite way to fly, Eastern Airlines. We're on twice weekly now, Thursday afternoon, with the REPA Radio Hour, that's the Retired Eastern Pilots Association, at 3 p.m. Eastern Time. And the Eastern Airlines radio show every Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. Both broadcasts are live call in shows, and we welcome your comments on the air. Our hosts are from around the world, and our listeners also are from around the world. That's right, over 50 countries around the world have been identified who regularly listen to our show. We're glad you're with us tonight. My name is Neil Holland, retired Eastern captain and the producer of the show. I hope you enjoy tonight's broadcast, and I might add here to stick around as we have breaking news with Mark Porter about the new Eastern Airlines and what's going on there. You'll surely want to hear this immediately following tonight's program. And now Chuck Albright, our announcer, will get the show in the air. Chuck, it's all yours.
2: Well, thank you very much, and hello, Eastern family and friends. As our producer said, we're glad you're with us for more Eastern talk, news, and information. As he said, my name's Chuck Albright. I'm coming to you live from the Villages, Florida. Our producer, Neil Ca- Captain Neil, is in St. Augustine, and our hosts are scattered all over the country. Let's start up in the New York, Long Island area with Captain Mike Scott, on the other side of the island, Captain George Jen. Jim Jim Holder is in the Atlanta area. Harry Lundquist is over at the Biltmore area. And Mark Parler, Eastern 3.0 reporter, is in Miami area. Hello, one and all. Our producer, if Mr. Producer, if you see any of our other regulars that I've missed, please let me know. From all our hosts, welcome and thank you for listening and calling the show for over the past nine plus years. You have truly made us the radio voice of Eastern Airlines. We'd love to hear your comments and share your memories with the radio listeners from around the world during the broadcast. If you haven't called the show before, all you need to do is call 213 816 1611. Just say hello. Talk to us on the air, live every Monday evening at 7 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time. Many of our listeners choose to listen by computer using the radio icon on our homepage at www.ealradioshow.com. Or perhaps by signing in on the site of our provider, Blog Talk Radio, at www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash Captain Eddie. Now, remember to abbreviate the word Captain to C-A-P-T. If you wish to talk during our live broadcast, feel free to use our call-in number, 213-816-1611, at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. Now, let me repeat that number so you can write it down for your Monday night visits, 213-816-1611. By the way, you tell all your friends about us. Our membership is growing. We're now up over 1,052 Eastern family and friends. And don't forget, you can listen to any of our 470 Monday night broadcasts and 100-plus Thursday broadcasts by simply going to blogtalkradio.com forward slash Captain Eddie. That's Captain Eddie, C-A-P-T-E-D-D-I-E, and scrolling down through the archives, of the broadcast. Each episode is briefly described and we're nearing our 600 episode now and all because of the listeners like you wanting to talk about Eastern Airlines. Our lines are always open for the calls and if you choose not to participate or talk live to our host, we ask you to please mute your phone as our producer does not have the capability of filtering out background noises such as Barking dogs and slamming doors and ice cubes in the beverages and, you know, ringing phones. That's why they put the mute feature on the phones. Now, I see we're number one for takeoff. So, Captain, let's get flight 474 in the air.
3: Eastern, 474. This is Omaha Tower.
2: You're cleared for takeoff.
3: Wind one zero zero two four runway one three right cliff take off.
4: Roger Omaha Tower, Eastern four seventy four is on the roll.
5: wrap a beautiful vacation package.
0: The sun,
6: Eastern Super 7 vacations to Florida, Mexico, the Bahamas, the Caribbean. One low price for airfare, hotel, and more. One week
0: to do whatever you choose. Super 7 vacations. How little they cost, how much they offer. When you need the sun,
6: The Great War, a title given to World War I, inspired thousands of songs, music that a century later still evokes a world at war, families separated and loved ones lost. Over there, pack up your troubles in your old kit bag, keep the home fires burning are but a few examples. Recordings of many of those songs are collected on the National Jukebox a Library of Congress website that makes historical sound recordings from 1901 until 1925 available to the public for free. The songs of World War I, of the World War I period and the recordings of them in the jukebox reflect the spirit of nations going to war and the men and women caught up in the conflict. The site also features the Nora Bayes recording that made Over There a hit. Over there was a 1917 song written by George M. Cohan that was popular with the United States military and public during both world wars. It's a patriotic song designed to galvanize American young men to enlist and fight the Hun, unquote. The song is best remembered for a line in its chorus, The Yanks Are Coming. Do we have that recording here? repeating the chorus to that song as words go they say over there over there send the word send the word over there that the yanks are coming the yanks are coming the drums rum-tumming everywhere pair say a prayer send the word send the word to beware we'll be over we're coming over and we won't come back till it's over over there now although Eastern Airlines beginnings did not take place during these war years from 1917 to 1918 Harold Pitcairn planted the seeds <coughs> excuse me of what would become <coughs> a legendary future participant in the coming wars America would fight Pitcairn Aviation would become that airline better known as Eastern Airlines Jim
7: Yeah thank you <laughs> George so many songs came to be written during the Second World War that when once again America would be called on to defend freedom around the world, it was hard to select one or two that represent World War II. However, here is one that told of the defense of Europe that is more about the remembrance of the area of battle in the skies. <laughs>
0: There'll be Blue birds Over The white cliffs of Dover Tomorrow Just you Wait And see
8: There'll
0: be Shepherd will tend his sheep, the valley will bloom again. White Cliffs of Dover, tomorrow, just you wait
7: and see. Well, I'm sure that Mike Scott, one of our hosts, and others like me have flown over the White Cliffs of Dover in Ireland careers. I've done it uh, several times, and every time I thought about those spitfires and hurricanes up there, trying to defend and successfully defend England against the Germans, the Luftwaffe. In the early days of World War II, the war effort reached into every facet of production and to everyone's life. Women took over jobs that were formerly held by men who are now overseas. We affectionately referred to the female employee in the aircraft factory as Rosie the Riveter. We've all seen pictures of her. Activities during the war reached a fever pitch. Those who were not employed busied themselves with rolling bandages, promoting the sale of war bonds, and operation daycare centers for the mothers who were away from home and working in the factory. There was a crying need for those with familiarity in technical fields and more particularly, there was a most urgent need for those with aviation experience so that overseas routes could be established and vital supplies along with essential personnel could be transported to the war front by air. Eastern Airlines, our airline, responded with the formation of its operation, which became known as the MTD or the Military Transport, Transport Division. This was an air transportation operations to the far-flung bases through the Caribbean, down to South America, and across to Africa, and it was off to a flying start. The United States Army Air Force called upon Eastern's Captain Paul Foster to assist with the original survey flights in 1942. Paul discovered the general in command was an old classmate from Kelly Field back in the 1927 timeframe. They spent three weeks together aboard a consolidated 387, also known as Liberator, 4 and aircraft, which they appropriately named Old Nosey. And they nosed all around South America and Africa setting up our air supply routes, which was so vital to the war effort. With his ability and organizational know-how, Paul Foster, Captain Paul Foster, Helped create Eastern's, Eastern's MTD, and thus began the great adventure for Eastern Airlines. Mr. Producer, can you find another appropriate song for this time? I bet you can.
0: The weather's fine for flying The fog has gone to bed There's such good visibility You could see victory ahead Let's fill the air with eagles Let's fill the clouds with men And we will see a world that's free When we fly home again Bombardier to the pilot. Well, give us a little ride. The pilot said to the navigator. Why don't you slide inside? The navigator he looked around and said to the engineer. Ah, your hands are dirty, your pants are dirty, you're dirty behind the ear. Set the bombardier to the gunner. Well, how are we fixed for lead? The pilot said to the radio man. How's the weather ahead? Set the bombardier to the pilot. Hand us that pretty crate. Five degrees to the right'll make it just as sure as fate. The ship belonged to the bombardier who opened his little bay. He saw the target, the lovely target, and suddenly bombs away. Said the bombardier to the pilot, Call it a day. And then the pilot said to the radio man, Say we done it again. The weather's fine. we flying. The fog has gone to bed. You can see victory ahead Let's fill the air with eagles Let's fill the clouds with men And we shall see a world that's free When we fly home again Let's fill the air with eagles Let's fill the clouds with men We
4: fly home again. Well, most of us remember the great performance by Robin Williams as the host of Radio Saigon and his uh, AM wake up calls to the troops. In my day, it was uh, on the negative side, it was Hanoi Hanna, and on the positive side, it was a gal by the name of Chris Noel. Mr. Producer, do you have that ear-piercing call to rise and shine, Vietnam style? Good
8: morning, Vietnam!
0: Hey, this is not a test. This is rock and roll.
4: (laughs) (laughs) What an entertainer Robin Williams was. Sad to have lost him uh, so soon after his fabulous career started. Now the next song was written during the Vietnam War years but it applies to any conflict when a loved one goes goes out and doesn't return home. Ernest Tubb's wrote this song, wrote the song, but the producer selected one recorded by Merle Haggard to play tonight. Could we have that song, Mr. Producer? <laughs>
0: I'm writing this down in the trench, mud. Don't scold if it isn't so neat The way that you did when I was a kid And I'd come home with mud on my feet The captain just gave us our orders And, Mom, we will carry them through And I'll finish this letter The first chance I get But for now I'll just say I love you Then the mother's old hands began to tremble And she fought against tears in her eyes But they came unashamed For there was no name And she knew that her soldier had died Then the mother knelt down by her bedside And she prayed, Lord above, hear my plea And protect all the sons who are fighting tonight
1: And dear God, keep America free
0: I'm riding this down
4: in a trench mile. Don't go if it isn't so neat. On another note, flying these uh, Mac flights, Military Air Co- airlift Command, uh, were them- themselves very different and From normal domestic Eastern Airlines flights and and any other operation of that magnitude, there was always a story which touches the heart. And just as a side note, uh, Eastern Airlines used to use uh, DC-863 aircraft 759 for a lot of those flights. It was later sold to Arrow Air, which crashed as a military flight going out of Gander, for those of us who don't know or remember. Uh, Anyway, Frank... And Gertrude Younger had had bid goodbye to their son Gary on a dreary dock in Norfolk, Virginia, one dark and rainy night as he left on a freighter as an escort for his outfit's equipment and supplies bound for Cameron Bay and the Vietnam War. Now it was nearly a year later, and his rotation date was coming up. Frank bid a trip, which would put, put him in Vietnam on this particular date. Things were looking good. But at the last minute, there was a schedule change, and after an overnight in the West Coast, and the schedule was the schedule was restored. And a, a three days later, Guy was waiting for his dad, having arrived in Cameron Bay just two hours earlier. Tears of joy were shared as they were reunited after 11 months. Ellis Traub and F. D. Moore took care of the paperwork, so Frank and his son could enjoy the visit during the two-hour. Uh, turnaround. When Frank was then he was off to the Philippines, Wake Island, and Honolulu. But the story didn't end there. While waiting at the airport in Honolulu to pick up his segment of the flight from Vietnam back to the States, Frank wondered if his son would be aboard the eastbound flight carrying many returning soldiers. The tension mounted. Everyone in his crew had their fingers crossed, and normally the processing took. Uh, would take a week to ten days for out-processing, but the procedure had been ha- hastened with the help of an old high school friend, classmate, who was in charge of the passenger assignments. Sure enough, Frank's son was a passenger aboard the flight, and Frank Younger brought his son back from the war in Vietnam. It was his best trip he had in his experience in 33 years with Eastern Airlines. I'm sure, <laughs> I'm sure I think he was. I you just
3: heard I'm still in Saigon by the late, great Charlie Daniels. Charlie just passed away within the last uh, couple of months. He was a great patriot and did a lot for the military and the uh, troops overseas. But in 1967, the U.S. government again called upon Eastern Airlines, this time to transport servicemen and their dependents to and from the far flung areas of the world. The operation was called the MAC military airlift command charters it began with Eastern using the Big Douglas DC 861 three of which had been ordered in 1965 they provided long-range and high capacity carrying 199 passengers as delivery of the aircraft began in 1967 their first plane was flown to France and exhibited the Paris air show the initial flights were over the North Atlantic to Germany and as more aircraft were ordered, the routes were extended to overseas bases in the far reaches of the Pacific, including Vietnam. Here is a song written during the ongoing Afghanistan war that we will close out our war year's music tribute. Called I Just Came Back From a War is a song co-written and recorded by American country music artist Daryl Worley. It was released in September 2006 as the second single from his album Here and Now. It peaked at number 18 on Billboard's magazine, the Hot Country Songs chart, and reached number 15 on the U.S. Billboard, Bubbling Under Hot 100. The song was inspired by a war veteran, Worthy Met, who was having a difficult time adjusting life back home after being in a war zone for many months. Worthy says, it made me think about what it must be like for all the soldiers who have served in conflicts past and present to adjust to being back home. The strain of war must be incredible. He adds, this song is from the soldier's perspective, and the message is, Hey, man, cut me a little slack if I need a little time to readjust here. I'll get there, but be a little patient with me. I just came back from a war. Mr. Producer?
0: Go find my friends down at the old hangout We drank some beer and talked a lot about old times But when the booze finally hit Bound
7: Producer, Jim here. May I have a few moments to uh to, uh say some things please.
1: You got you got it, Jim. This is well, Captain Jim Holder.
7: Uh, yeah, Jim Holder. Uh that Mike mentioned that D C eight that crashed with those uh hundred and two hundred soldiers on board. Uh and that was uh Eastern D C three. 63, D.C. 8-63. I did not know that until he mentioned that. I knew it was a D.C. Yeah. 8. I mm-hmm. flew the D.C. 8-63, and I love that airplane. And, and I, I would like to say that it was almost all 101st guys out of Fort Campbell, Kentucky. And my son, when he first went into the military and became a military pilot, he was an Army pilot. And I went up and visited him at Fort Campbell. And we toured the base. I was up there two or three days, and one of the display, one of the places we went to was a memorial type place, and they had a beautiful uh, memorial to those guys that were killed on that airplane. They were most of them yeah. were 101st, of the, you know, up there yep. for Campbell, and uh, it was really. I remember when that happened, and I remember those guys were coming back from Europe and wherever, and they were going home to their families and everything, and they lost their lives right there, taking off out of, out of Canada. And uh, I never did hear exactly. Did they, did they decide that ice was on the wings or something? I forgot really what happened.
4: Uh, Jim, Mike, well, the know, indications your, that there was some kind of armament uh, that was set off in the cargo bay, May it have been intentional or unintentional, but of course, as you remember, the military got involved, and that whole uh-huh. wreckage was cleaned up in less than 48 hours, and nobody oh, seemed to know to know nothing. It was kind of a it was a hush hush thing. Yeah, it, but was, that it was, was. It was right know, on takeoff.
7: They crashed right off. Yeah, and ripped exactly. it, out, ripped it off yeah. and crashed.
8: Yeah, yeah there, was, there uh, was
6: a um, there, there was a very controversial investigation that went on into that crash by the Canadian Mm -hmm. authorities. In fact, there were a lot of dissenting opinions. I believe there may have even been a book written about how uh, some Mm -hmm. of the potential reasons were covered up there, but I'm not 100% certain. But I remember reviewing Mm -hmm. it when I was uh, looking at our Flight 980, and that Mm -hmm. was probably the most uh, controversial crash outside of Flight Nine Eighty and in fact Christine Negroni had that several pages of that crash
7: uh in her new book that was published mm-hmm. about Yeah. Well mm-hmm. I just wanted to remember that those guys were almost all from the hundred first. At the mm-hmm. Campbell. Well, very very tragic. Moment. Yeah. Mr producer, thank you.
1: Well uh, this finishes uh, the uh, songs that we have been playing every other Monday night. And I just uh, thought it would be good to uh, play songs. You just can't uh, say enough of those that have served and especially given their lives for their country, for, for all of us that are still alive and and our children. And uh, so uh, this is uh, uh, not all the wars that uh, America has been involved in are conflicts, as some of them called. Uh, but um, uh, we like to play and remember those that have uh, fought for our liberty and freedom. And it we all know... Up... Yeah, go ahead, Mike.
4: I say it, it dug up some gremlins from, from my day with all of that stuff, because I... I was uh, able to spend a year over there myself, so uh, and I remember all of the the troops coming and going and all the songs and all that stuff, and it took me over 40 years to get to the wall in Washington to finally see some of the names that I was hoping not to see on there but were. So it was kind of an emotional thing, uh, That whole thing. And like you say, trying to adapt... For me, it was a lot easier because I was an aircraft repairman over there, so I worked at bases and uh, basically uh, I kind of had to keep my head down, uh, unlike the, uh, the Army and the Marines that were out being mud marines and fighting in the front lines. Uh, for me, uh, for at least a year, of course, I know I didn't eat rice for about six years after I came back from <laughs> Vietnam, mm-hmm. and uh, every time I heard something, a loud bang or whatever, I would definitely be. I would definitely duck.
1: (laughs) Chuck, Chuck, I believe you were were in the mud war also, weren't you, Chuck? Chuck, Chuck, are you still with us?
4: He went for a drink. I think he did. I
1: think
6: he did. I thought he fell asleep.
1: (laughs) He might have. Uh, I'm uh, here. Can you hear me
2: now? Yeah, you were in Vietnam too, weren't you? Yes, I was, uh, I would like him, I was a mechanic on F-4 fighters up at the top of the st- uh, country in Da Nang. Um, I, I, um, the only thing I really got close to it. anything was uh, Da Nang was a Navy base, but we had all services there, Army and Marines and every And the Air Force had uh, a couple of squadrons there that used to go up North Vietnam and buy, you know, they would bomb them. Typhon Harbor and stuff like that. But the guys like uh, like he was talking about, we had to duck a lot because uh, the Viet Cong would, uh, they, they'd be shooting up the airplanes, but then, of course, uh, we were working on them, and uh, we'd have to get out of the way and go back behind the revetments sometimes and uh, wait for them to stop uh, shooting at us. But um, I was like him. I was... Uh, I was gun-shy when I came back, nothing door-slamming or anything. Man, I was just up and tight and everything. It took me a couple of years. um, And like he said, you know, you lose friends that uh, you work with the year that you're there. And uh, consequently, you come to the realization that that this was a war that – Really didn't have to happen.
4: Well, we we lost it. But, so
7: Chuck, yeah. Chuck, I would like to think that one of my classmates, two classmates, lost their lives piloting uh, in Vietnam, my uh, Air Force pilot training class. And one of them was Captain Bill Ott, and he was flying an F 4. I would like to think that maybe you worked on his airplane. And the other one was Captain Tom Waltz, who was flying a T-38 variant, became an F-5 fighter, and he was killed at Vietnam.
2: And I can't recall the name on. because um, we had a lot of rotation at Da Nang. Oh, I, and yeah, uh, I know. I like I said, it I was, like all say. the military uh, services were there, so you yeah. you you just did did what you had to do and, and kept going. Mm-hmm. Because uh, I worked the night shift because – I was one of the few people that had a jet experience when I went over. I was there at sixty six mm-hmm. and sixty seven. So mm-hmm. the war was really just gearing up really good. Mm-hmm. And um of course with a short rotation of a year they couldn't keep uh, experienced people there. And yeah. um those when I walked in the door true. my 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 sergeant says you worked on jet planes. I said, yeah, I, I did. He says, you're supervisor of the night shift. Come back in a couple of hours.
8: So, um, well, but I worked
2: too. On, but uh, no, I didn't recall the, uh, their yeah, names. Well, I know you
7: couldn't re- remember the names. I'd like to believe, though, that maybe you worked on their airplanes. Or they yeah. were both skilled yeah. in the 66-6 time frame. I want a little thing I'd like to mention on this about those guys over there. When I was flying... I was based in Atlanta and Eastern walking an old tournament down toward the Eastern gates. And I saw this air force guy walking toward me, and he was in a full dress, safe uniform. And he had captain's bars and he had wings As he got closer. I recognized he was an instructor at Craig air force base. When I was there as a student, his name was Smith. I can't remember his first name. And as he walked by me, I, recognized him and I said and he stopped and turned around and looked at me and I looked at him and I said, You know, I think I remember you from Craig Air Force Base. And of course he said something like he remembered me, but I'm sure he didn't, but he just been polite. And I said, Well I'm glad to see you, you know, and you know, this was in sixty six or something like that, sixty seven. Uh and he said, Well I'm glad somebody too I just came in and and to California and got off the airplane, and, you know, they were treating, they were saying nasty things to us, and nobody, it was terrible how these guys were treated when they came home. And then he flew to Atlanta, and he's walking up toward the main terminal. He said, you're the first person who said something nice to me. And I just, that I'll never forget him saying that. I was the first person that said something nice to him, and he had come all the way
2: from Vietnam to Atlanta. Yeah, it was yeah, pretty tough. A Jim. lot of guys, <laughs> but they would get that uh, bad mm. atmosphere that, that people had back in those days, and yeah. uh, of course there was the thing with Jane Fonda that didn't help at all.
7: Yeah, of course not. Well, uh,
3: it,
2: well, I I remember. I, I didn't I,
3: serve in Vietnam, but I, I do remember taking a Mac flight. I took a Mac flight from. Uh, 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 McCord Air Force Base to uh, Tokyo, so I think we stopped in Anchorage or somewhere up there and I, I believe it was a DC-8 but that was a big one, I believe there were 500 GIs on that thing it was big
4: That's I came back movie. on a Pan Am a Pan Am Eastern had their, Mac, uh, the DC-863, spe- specifically aircraft 759 at Eastern. They had it set up with uh, 252 seats was the oh, maximum this, they could put in there. They were all tourist-class seats, front to rear. I did,
7: I did not know there was a former Eastern airplane until the night, Mike. Yeah,
4: it was. Operated by Arrow Air. a World flight. Arrow
3: Air. Yeah.
1: yeah Arrow Air, yeah. World... World
2: they were in. Up, we
4: they were up at the name too. Yeah. But I came well, home I'm on at, a Pan Am Seaboard C- 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 that landed at the wrong airport in Danang. Oh yeah. <laughs> with <a> DC863. <laughs> and
7: nobody was on the airplane when it took off, said the captain. I that's, know that's for sure. Joke, but it, I think the co-pilot was there. But the engineer got off. <laughs> <laughs> they made it though. They made it. They the did. They won, as I recall. With, it, with room to spare. With room yeah. to spare. But they didn't have any gas. So they had to land.
2: No. <laughs> <laughs> what I was trying to tell you guys is when I rotated back, we left the Nang going to Saigon. And we were in a 707 Pan Am. And we are at the end of the runway. And our our uh, captain was a colonel. The, the first officer was a captain. And, and the navigator was a lieutenant, I believe. <laughs> And we had Red Cross girls who were our flight attendants, and at the end of the runway, they started shooting rockets at the plane, because that's why military were flying it, because the Pan Am fly, uh, people said they were not going to fly under those conditions. So the the colonel come on and he told us what was happening, and he says you want to stay or go, and everybody yells go, and we actually went down a runway and had. Rockets, uh, these rockets that they had, the Viet Cong, were probably no more than 200, 300 feet off our wings. Mm -hmm. And he just, that thing up on his tail and shot straight up in the sky. And um, we went to Saigon and um, the Philippines, and then we had four guys that were in uh, Alaska. I think it's um, Fairbanks. And um, the colonel says, if we go to Travis, where we're supposed to, these four guys won't get home for another two days. And he says, if it's all right with you guys, I can catch the jet stream and take them to their base, and we won't lose any time getting to San Francisco. And that's what he did. And we did get in San Francisco uh, about 20 minutes ahead of what we were supposed to. So, well, was, uh, listen, uh, a lot of nobody, remember.
4: Nobody yeah. wanted to waste any time getting out of there and we all right. all of us remember seeing the uh the POWs who spent years and years and years in Hanoi Hilton yeah. and the such when they yeah. left uh on that C one forty one. it's that's a sight that we will all remember. How happy they were. It's unbelievable. Yeah.
1: Well, uh, time is flying, folks, and uh, we. I'm uh, not certain who's mixing a martini right about now, but uh, here's a little background noise. <laughs> but where's uh, okay, uh, uh, juice? <laughs> okay, well, I finished mine already. I've already finished mine.
4: You need another you know, one. We all,
1: we all know this is Labor Day. It has been Labor Day, a day we celebrate on the first Monday in September, a creation of the labor involvement. Uh, a movement and dedicated to the social and economic achievements of American workers. It constitutes Mm -hmm. a yearly national tribute to the contributions workers have made to the strength, prosperity, and well-being of our country. Uh, I know, George, you wrote a beautiful uh, piece that you were going to send it to the New York Times. I don't think you ever did. Wish we had time to read
3: it tonight, but uh, your thoughts about labor,
1: the Labor Day, and the movement, George, Jen?
3: Well, the reason I never
6: sent it to the New York Times or to Newsday is because both of them, it seems like recently people have uh, begun to discuss what American workers are going through, whether it be outsourcing of jobs or loss of pensions, mainly in that area, it's concern about the government pensions. But when we at Eastern Airlines were in the the middle of a buyout by probably the worst anti-worker person that America has ever known, we all know that's Frank Lorenzo, where were these newspapers? You know, they were all hushed up. And uh, not one of them spoke out in favor of the Eastern workers, including the New York Times, whose reporter, by the way, had an office in Miami that Eastern gave him free of charge, and he printed anti-worker pieces just prior to the Lorenzo buyout. And I attempted, his name was Aegis Salpukas. He was the aviation attorney, uh, excuse me, the aviation writer for the New York Times. I was in Miami during that time doing the writing for Larry Schulte that brought in a strike vote, and I attempted to contact him to meet with him and explain perhaps where what he was doing was incorrect, was based upon incorrect information. And he refused to even meet with me. So as far as I'm concerned, I have nothing more to say to these people, because I was tired of knocking my head against the wall for so many years. Now, all of a sudden, they've come out of the woodwork with this, quote, great concern, unquote, for American workers. So that's my two cents. And I might sound a little bit bitter, but obviously I am, because uh, you know, the American media never took the side of the American worker during the 80s, when all these buyouts and that type of trash took place, which cost hundreds of thousands of jobs, not to mention pensions, like we lost to pilots and other workers at Eastern Law, so I'll, I'll end it with that, Neil.
1: Absolutely. I agree with you,
2: 100%. And yep. it was
1: a a great article that you wrote and uh, uh, it, it needed to be uh, in the New York Times or uh, some major newspapers it was real real good writing real clear thinking too so uh, I've got some uh, breaking news here and I've got to put this right here and <laughs> Giving us the update of the Eastern Airlines version 3.0. Mark your own. Hi, Neil. Um, yeah, this week uh,
5: we have almost wrapped up having all the 200 series of the aircraft painted. So the entire fleet is almost uh, entirely uh, painted now, which is great. Uh, the last 767 300 went down to Lima on Wednesday, and that will be the last aircraft to be painted now, um, until and then new aircraft are joining the fleet. Another 767-300, uh, actually 36D um, joined the fleet um, a week ago, and uh, that's still in storage, but uh, once 700 comes out of Lima, then it should go in to be painted. But the interesting things that are really happening is that Eastern is ratcheting up its Miami operations. You can hear me, right?
1: Yes, we can. Okay.
5: And at the same time, Delta Airlines is going to make Miami a hub. And at the same time, Southwest Airlines is going to make Miami a hub. So – Wow. Eastern's really caught in having to move quickly now, and I suggested that they uh, connect uh, John F. Kennedy, Baltimore, Boston, and Chicago in those orders with uh, their 200s uh, to use as feeders, because these other guys are sure going to do everything they can to push Eastern out. But if hmm. Eastern uses four of their seven six, if their seven six models bringing the Haitians and the Dominicans and the tourists in from Boston and John F. Kennedy and Baltimore. Uh, These would be people that would then like to go to visit Brasilia, Belo Horizonte, um, uh, Guayaquil they're going to go to. Um, I'm assuming since they're going to service um, Aruba from John F. Kennedy, They'll probably service Aruba from Miami. And the Caribbean's the hottest destination right now during the, the COVID ep- epidemic. So um, during 2021, the bookings for the Caribbean are huge. So I would expect Eastern to um, increase that. I mean, there are no flights to
1: Freeport from New York. None. so Mark and Mark yeah. is does Southwest intend to make it a hub for the Caribbean yeah. and South
5: America yeah, and I, I yeah I figured that all out because their max jets are coming online with their max jets out of Miami they can go about as far as Peru comfortably with the passengers so that covers wow. quite a bit of uh, you go into um, all the the what is called the Gran Colombia, the Colombia, the Venezuela, the Ecuador, the Peru, and of South America, and anything north of that, um, they can cover with those MAX jets. It's not that the MAX can't go further, it's can the passengers take an eight-hour flight. Uh, mm. Like, like Goal, uh, uh, Brazil asked its, air, its passengers to make a stop in uh, Fortaleza, Brazil, and then go on to Brasilia. And that's, you know, that's rather tiring, I think, if I get tired enough on an eight-hour flight on a wide body. But um, – Are they serving I, I, I booze? Think,
4: <laughs> I, sure, I
5: sure hope so. My God. I hope they have I always look,
4: That, that I makes always, any I always flight short. A, yeah,
5: yeah, I always put a $10 on my uh, – on yeah. the table of the American Airlines flight. And yeah. she goes, well, it's only five dollars. I said, yeah, but can you get me that wine in first class? And she'd take it, and put it in her pocket, and say, yeah, I'll be right back, sir. And she'd come back with a styrofoam cup. She'd go, here's your water, sir, and I said, thank you, thank you very much.
1: Uh, okay, well, Mark, thank you very much. We run out of time, but keep up good work. Keep us posted on everything that's happening, and still keep working on getting the CEO or a chief pilot or someone from uh, from Eastern to come on our show. We certainly appreciate yeah. that. And, hey, Neil? and Eastern
5: needs more mechanics, by the way.
1: Oh, there you go, Chuck. So Mike.
5: anyone, hey, anyone, even from the yeah. past, I'm sure they'd be taking. Hey, Neil, I <laughs> Chuck, have a and question. I are too old for that
6: stuff. Yeah. <laughs> no, no.
1: <laughs> George, go ahead.
6: Yeah, Mark, I have a question. Yeah. This mm-hmm. new eastern Airlines, this is not a publicly held corporation, is it no it's private well what, you know i've been reading <clears throat> that all the load factors are so low that the airlines like my alma mater have cost so many flights what Where is uh-huh. the money coming from to keep the airline afloat
5: well the the woolley family they're they're extremely uh, wealthy, but that's a very good question because Alta is a holding company, and through holding companies, the foreign investment can go. And I had a friend here who is a manager at American Airlines, and he said, ever since the Japanese investment into Alta, those the guys are rich, and we just don't want them to come to South America. And that's exactly what they're targeting. Mm.
6: No, but. but so I don't know that, how much
5: that, the Japanese invested, but I think it's Mitsubishi.
6: So you're saying that, that this is a foreign investment in an American airline? I thought that was prohibited under U.S. law. Into
5: Alta. Alta, all the, all the guys, uh, American and United, and they all have their holding companies. Because in their holding companies, that's where they can take the foreign investment. But their, the, uh, their airline doesn't really have that. You know, it's like politics. It's really dirty, right? So the the, um, the the main airline doesn't really have the foreign investment. But the aircraft are coming over from the holding companies, which get the foreign investment. You see what I'm saying?
6: So they really yeah, do. Yeah, I do. I, I'm not going to ask any more questions. I don't want to get you in <laughs> trouble with your employer. So.
5: <laughs> no, no. I'm, I'm my own employer. But um, the 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 Alta Holding Company, Alta Airlines Holding Company, is run. The CEO is Richard Woolley, the brother of Kenneth Woolley, who was the original investor in JetBlue.
4: Oh. And then yes, as, long as, Mid- as long as they're not Jet, buying Jet, any Jet Zeros.
5: Right. And then <laughs> and then Jet Midwest is run by Crafts, and Crafts was 50% owner of Eastern.
1: Ah,
0: okay. And now, now the kidding, aircraft sort of to
5: go to, to KMW, to Alta, to Jet Midwest, and then back to Eastern. So one is the maintenance facility, Jet Midwest. They fix the aircraft up. So a lot of the, the monies circulate, but they're all doing their job to maintain the Eastern, which is smart.
1: Very to good. Be first okay. to be able- well, we're going to have to see a chart about this. <laughs> it's uh, like our next show is going to be <laughs> the
6: they're, family of uh, free. That, <laughs> maybe Mark could write a book about it. That would be There you go.
8: <laughs>
5: yeah, now they just well, need to have a small regional airline. That's a different company from Eastern, so they have two separate airlines running, but it's really one.
1: Okay, Mark, thanks so much. We're about out of time, and uh, so we're going to put the airplane on the ground. And uh, 474, you're clear to land. Let's see if we can get a landing noise here out of my uh, sound clip. There we go.
4: Little applause. Hey, that was right. a great
2: landing, Captain. Be sure to tune in again <laughs> next Monday, September the 14th, when America's favorite way to fly returns to the cyber with another great show for and about Eastern family and friends. We hope you will join us now. Don't forget to tune in Thursday, September the 10th at 3 p.m. Eastern Time for the Arepa Radio Hour, stories by pilots of Eastern Airlines. If you have not heard one of our broadcasts, you really missed out on some great Eastern talk with some more great stories by Eastern people. Our producer is telling me it's time to say goodbye. This is Chuck Albright, Floyd number zero, 018632. Signing off on behalf of tonight's host, Captain Jim Holder, Captain Mike Scott, Captain George Jen, Harry Lindquist, Mark Parler, and our producer, Neil Holland, playing the sign-off music made popular by Merle Haggard, Silver Wings. Let's go ahead and tell them good night, Chuck. We got to go. Okay. Good night, Eastern friends from around the world. Good night, Eastern fam- uh, Eastern Airlines, wherever you are. And we love you, Eastern. Now, all of us, when I count the three, one, two, three. Good night, Eastern Airlines. Good night. We love night. You. Good night. Love you. Good night. Good night. Everybody.
0: Good night. Bye for good Good no night. Good night. Good Good night. night. Taking you away and leaving me lonely, silver wings, slowly fading out of sight, slowly fading
8: out of sight.
0: Thanks, guys. You
1: make it happen. We appreciate it. Thank you so much.
7: Good job, Neil. See
1: ya.